Uh, we're continuing the series of uh, the Talmud. And uh, last week we were just in the middle of Masechet Psachim. And we're continuing today with Masechet Psachim. Maybe we'll get lucky to finish it today. We'll see. The last thing we spoke about, mitzvot that a person does for the sake of heaven and mitzvot that he doesn't do for the sake of heaven, which he does it, but really not for the sake of heaven, either for honor or for people to like him or because he is afraid of someone, he doesn't have a choice, etc., etc. They're really not for the sake of heaven. There are big difference on the reward when a person does l'shem shamayim for the sake of Hashem and when he does it for different reasons. And because you should know that uh, when a person does it only for Hashem, he doesn't think about anything else, that shows love to Hashem. Once the mitzvah comes with love, obviously the reward is much, much higher, but you should know also the rule that Chazal taught us, mitoch shelo lishma balishma. If you start, not for the sake of heaven, even somebody pays you money to come to pray every morning. Let's say they need minyan. And you don't want to get up so early. So the rabbi calls the neighbors and says, would you come every morning? They say, no, it's too, it's too early. They say, every time you come, I give you $20, let's say. It's a young guy. He needs the money. Why not to make 100 bucks a week doing nothing? Anyway, he has to dive in, no? So after a while, even if he will move to a different place, he will have more incentive to dive in early. Right? Even without money. All right, let's call me toch shelo lishma balishma. So this is where we finished last week. We're continuing today. Tanur Abanan. Chazal, our sages, obviously, they're transferring the Torah as we're receiving it for Har Sinai. They're teaching us many, many secrets. Listen to this. Amistaker bakanim uvakankanim eno roi siman bracha leolam. A person who sells his merchandise on the street, which means he has a boot or he has a store, but he puts everything on the street. And he makes business. People see it outside. They come in, they buy it. It looks like business is very well. Doesn't see any blessing from these sellings. That money that he sells when his merchandise is exposed to everyone who walks in the street or in the field, whatever it is, automatically lose the blessing because of Ainara, evil eye. That every person who passes by look and say, oh, what beautiful uh, merchandise he sells. Whatever he sells, shirts, kankanim, you know, it's like a pot. Whatever he sells and people are impressed from his merchandise, everybody puts a little bit more Ainara. By the end of the week, so much Ainara on his merchandise that even when he sells, a week later, his refrigerator broke, the oven doesn't work, the washing machine broke, all kinds of things, and he doesn't see the connection. The Ainara eats everything. This is one thing. Now, Chazal uh, continue, there are four kinds of money that doesn't have blessing. Four different ways of making money that when a person makes money, he doesn't have blessing in it. What are they? One is... People who write tefillin and mezuzot and sefer Torah, no matter how much money they make, there's no bracha in this money. We'll see why. Then, sechar meturgamin, the interpreters, people who translate the Torah to Aramaic. Today, the custom is different than what it used to be 2,000 years ago. 
Today when you go to shul, they learn in the Torah, they read, nobody translates. By the Yemenites, they still read one verse in Lashon uh, Kodesh, in Hebrew, and then uh, right away in Aramic, Targum. You know, they do it in shul. But you should know that in the old days, everybody was like that. So the people who used to stand there and translate to Aramic, right? Not everybody knew Lashon Kodesh. Not everyone knew. So the people who were standing there, they used to get paid for it. It's like today you have a waiter that is uh, working for catering for Shabbos, right? They do catering in a shul, so he comes to, he walks. Doesn't drive. It's a Shomer Shabbos. But he serves, and in the end, they pay money, right? So the Schar Meturgamin doesn't have any blessing. Maot Yatomim, someone that the based in the court nominated him to be in charge of the money of kids that their parents died. There's nobody to feed them, to take care of them, to make business decisions for them with their money. So he's supervising the money until they become 18 and they become independent and they can get the money and go on their own. So obviously they get paid for it. The base dean, if the, if the parents left a million dollars, right, in today's, and there's an apotropus, someone who's in charge of it, they pay him monthly salary for his time. You know, he has to go to make deposit. If, if the father left the building, then he has to collect rent. He has to knock on the doors of the tenant to run to the bank. He has some job. So the court estimate how much he deserves, and they decide to deduct it from the income or from the principal, from the money that they left. It's all, they're entitled to get paid. So there are people who used to work for the base dean. This was their job. So they said, any other job that the court nominate them to do, it's no problem. They're entitled to have blessing. But once they get paid of supervising the money of orphans, they're not, they're not going to have blessing. Soon I'm going to explain each one of them why. And the fourth one is money that comes from overseas. Now remember, today we have airplanes. It's safer to take a flight than to go on a road, on a highway, right? Statistically, flights are safer, believe it or not, than driving a car. But in the old days, there was no airplanes. There were only have boats. And boats were not like today. Today, Baruch Hashem, the boats are much safer than 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago was a, a wood boat. And, you know, there was no engines, no motors, none of these things that we have today. So either there were hundreds of people pushing the boat or with the wind. They, you know, so obviously it was very dangerous to go overseas. Why? Because you have robbers that waiting in the middle of the ocean to rob the boats, pirates. And then you have also, you have also winds. So when a person finally made it to his destination, Hashem made him so many miracles. And when Hashem makes a miracle to a person, he takes away from his merit. You know, if you put yourself in a, sta in a state of a, of, a, of a danger, you go to a place you're not supposed to go there, it's dangerous, that area, and you made it safely, don't be so happy because you know you paid for it from your, from your mitzvot. Hashem took away from your merit, from your account, and used it for, your, for, your, for the miracle, because not everybody is entitled to have miracles like Avraham Avinu or Moshe Rabbeinu. So therefore, this kind of money 
doesn't have blessings. So the Gemara asks now a question. The Gemara says, Bishlama, a money for people who translate the Torah to Aramaic, we understand why there's no blessing. Why? They work on Shabbat. You work on Shabbat, you don't see blessing from your money. Fine. Ma'ot yetomim, money of the orphans, we also know why. Why? Because kids, they can never forgive anything. They don't know how to forgive. You have to be mature to know to, to be mochel and ma- on money. Kids do not know how to be mochel for money. Even if they want, they don't know how to do it from all their hearts. They're not mature enough. So it's like stealing. Even though you work for it, since they did not give it with a full heart, since they, they feel that you're taking away their money, it's kids, after all. So that's, co- that's considered like stealing. Ma'ot abaot mim dinatayam, as we said, not every day you have a miracle. You had a miracle, no, so they take away from your merit. But the Gemara asked, all, all those three, we may, it makes sense to us. But why many of the sofrim that write tefillin and mezuzot don't have blessing? The holiest things in life. They write such a thing in a holy way, no? If they will have blessing in the money that they make, they become rich, and they don't want to work anymore. I know one guy like this in Israel. You know, every rule has an exception to the rule. He was right, he's a great sofer. I used to buy tefillin and mezuzot for me many years ago. I eventually started to get involved a little bit in real estate in Israel, in Yerushalayim. He, he, he got lucky to do it in a good wave that everything started to go up in Yerushalayim in the last few years. He made some nice money. He's not interested to write anymore. I'm begging him, write tefillin. Write tefillin once, only for my son, for his bar mitzvah. No, no, I'm not, I don't have Yeshuvah Dat. I don't have the... I can't sit and write. Why? After you make $30,000 in a week in a deal that you sell a building or an apartment, it's very difficult for you to sit to make $200 on a pair of tefillin and walk all two days from morning to night with focusing. This is the way it is. So, Mara says, if they will have blessing in the money that they make, right away they don't want to work anymore. Let me write one a month, two a month, I'm already okay, no problem. So Hashem makes sure that they, they can survive. But to become rich from this being a sofer, we don't find things like this. It's very interesting. Okay, so the Gemara continue. The Gemara says, but there is always an exception to the rule. What's the exception to the rule? What's the exception to the rule? If a person works 100% for the sake of heaven, he doesn't write mezuzot for the money. Let's see he's very rich already. He writes it because he likes people to have good kosher tefillin and mezuzot, or sefer Torah. Or he knew his shul needs a sefer Torah, so he agreed to sit and write. So to begin with, he's not doing it for the money. So somebody like this, since he anyway is doing it, even though he's, you know, he doesn't really need it, since he's doing it for the sake of heaven, such a holy way, then even from the money that he's going to make from that, he's going to have a special blessing. Why? It won't make a difference. You understand whether he makes or not, it doesn't make a difference. In that case, there's no reason why not to let him enjoy it. Okay, good. The Gemara says, Todos, Ish Romi, 
some Jew, his name was Todos Ishromi. Gavra Rabba Hava was a very important person. The Gemara asked, no, that's a question. Was he a very important Chacham person or was Baal Egrofin? Someone who knows how to punch well. What's the question? The Gemara says, Darash Todos Ishromi. He asked a question. They gave their life for Kedushat Hashem, right? They threw themselves into the fire. They learned Kalvachomer from the frogs. The frogs in Egypt, they went into the ovens. The oven was on, fire was on. You know how they make the pita in a primitive way? They stick it to the side of the oven. That's how they used to make bread 2,000 years ago. In Israel and here in some places, some of these restaurants, they still do it like this because it's the best way the bread comes. So the frogs, Hashem told the frogs, I want you to fill up Egypt completely. Okay, I fill up Egypt, but why I have to jump into the fire to get burned? So thousands of dead frogs inside the oven. Even inside the oven, you cannot go and hide from them. Why? They went into the oven. Why? Because Hashem said so. So they say, if the frogs doesn't have reward and punishment, he's not obligated to listen to Hashem, he never got a Torah, he doesn't have even inclination, but the frogs were proud to jump into the fire in Egypt just to do what Hashem wants. We, as Jews, it's needless to say. What's the question, right? So that's the question. They are metzuvim al kiddush Hashem. A Jews is obligated to sanctify the name of Hashem, right? Well, well, how do we know the frogs really went inside the oven? It's a pasuk in the Torah. It's in Exodus 7. That, when the Torah says, And they come up into your houses, into your bedrooms, on your bed, inside the ovens, and everywhere else. A clear verse in the Torah. Not as a Midrash, you don't know where it came from. This is right from the Torah, that they went inside the ovens. So the Torah says like this, Rabbi Yossi Barabin Amar, Matil Melai Lekishul Talmide Chachamim. So the question about Todus Ishromi, His question was, why Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah jumped into the fire? And the answer is, because they learned from the frogs. The Gemara says, Amar Abiyosi Barabin, Matil Melai Lekis Talmide Chachamim Hava. It says, this Todos Ishromi, what was the truth about him? Was he a chacham? Was he an important person? Was he, was, he, was he a gangster that knows how to punch well? He was an important person. They wanted to know what made him famous. The answer is, he used to support all the Talmidei Chachamim. Those who learned Torah, he was wealthy. He ran after them and filled up their pockets always with money. Make sure that their pockets will be full. And the Torah says, Every person, he has the merit to give money to kosher, chachamim, rabbis that learns Torah and knows Torah and teach Torah, etc. He has a special place waiting for him in a court of heaven. 
in the yeshiva of heaven, שנאמר כי בצל החוכמה בצל הכסף. כי בצל החוכמה בצל הכסף. And we learn, this is Kohelet 7, King Solomon wrote it. So from here we learn that if, that, uh, if a person does such a thing, automatically Hashem save him a special place in the next life. Just for that alone. Then we continue, the Gemara continue, it says like this. Ten things were created on Friday evening. And the first Friday of the creation. First Friday of the creation. Friday, that's when Akash Baruch made Adam. Right, right away, shortly after he made the scene. Then Shabbat, the sunset started. The sun started to disappear. Now Adam, he never saw a sunset yet. Why? He's only a few, few hours old. He was just created. He never saw sunset. When he opened up his eyes after Hashem made him, he looked up and he see sun. Sun, that's what he see. He didn't see moon yet, nothing, no stars. He doesn't know yet what they are. A few hours later, he made the scene. And right after the scene, it became dark. So he thought that the punishment that Hashem gave him after he told him you ate from the tree is that he took away the light from him. I won't be able to enjoy the beautiful colors of the creation. Then in the morning, a few hours later, he saw the sun and the light came back. So he, so he thought, oh, so quick, Hashem forgive me. Very good. Only a few hours punishment. Then a few hours later, he saw it became dark again. When? Saturday night, Motzei Shabbat. So he realized, oh, that's the nature. I guess it's on and off like this. So that's when he created the fire on Saturday night, Motzei Shabbat. Hashem gave him the idea. He took two stones. He started to shake them. And the fire came out. And this is, this is why we make bracha in Motzei Shabbat in Avdalah, Boreh Menoreh Aesh. But... As you know, in Judaism, there is a very big argument. It's hard to believe. It's really hard to believe. It's one of the biggest mysteries in Judaism. And it has big nafkamina to halacha. It's affecting the, the halacha, the Jewish law, tremendously. Nobody knows for real, 100%, when the day starts and when the day ends. There's big arguments, all different opinions. Everyone agree that the end of the day is anywhere between the beginning of the sunset to the end of the sunset when you begin to see stars. There's a period of time. How they call that time? It's called Ben HaShmashot. Shemesh is one. Shmashot is plural. Many suns. But there's no many suns. There's only one sun. This is an expression. The beginning, if you stand by the ocean, and you look to the end, you see the sun is starting to disappear. The bottom of the sun just went sinking, supposedly, into the water. But it's not really into the water. It's just that you begin to, you begin to disappear from your eyes. If you stand there half an hour, eventually you see that all the sun completely went down. And now you don't see anything. You just see a little bit red. A little bit red. But it depends where you're standing. In Israel, if you stand by the beach, in about 18 minutes the most, it disappears very quickly. You stand over there because it depends when the country is located on a globe. Depends if it's close to the center or if it's on the top. If it's very close to the center, it takes very long time. 
from the beginning of the sunset to the end. But if it's far away up or down in the globe, right? You're not in the center. Imagine a ball here. If you are right in the middle, then it takes a long time because it's a wide circle. It takes longer to go to the other side of the sun. But if you're in the bottom, it's faster because it's a, it's a smaller circle. That's very simple. It's math. But in America, especially in the summertime, sometimes that period of time can be up to 50 minutes. What the halacha say, 13 and a half minutes, in America it can be up to 50 minutes. What does it mean if a person forgot to pray mincha, or he got stuck on a train, or I don't know what the case was, and he's, not, he's now, finally now he's able to pray, okay? Or he fell asleep and he woke up, now he sees it's half an hour after sunset. In Israel, that's it, it's a new day for sure. It's complete dark, half an hour after. But in America, in the summertime, it's still sunny, still see light. Okay, so that's just to give you a little bit idea how it works. But sometimes it's become a lot more critical. For instance, today the sunset was 7.43. What happened if a baby was born? 7.48 today. 7.48. Is it considered that he was born on Wednesday? Today was Wednesday? Or it's already Thursday? Depends who you ask. Depends who you ask. According to one opinion, it's still Wednesday. Some opinions. According to another opinion, that's it. It's after sunset, it's a new day already. The Gemara says that Bediavad, up to 13 and a half minutes, it's not 60 seconds a minute like the Goim. The minutes and the hours are changed depend on the season. In the summer, the hours of the day are long and the hours of the night are short which means when you take an hour from the day and you take an hour from the night, it's like a husband and wife. Together it's 120 minutes. If the hour of the day can get up to 75 minutes in the longest day of the year, 75 minutes an hour, how long the hour of the night would be? 45. 75, 45, 120. Always like this. In the winter, the opposite. The hours of the night can go up to 75, the hours of the day, 45, okay? So what happened now? Depend on the length of the hour, that's how the minute is. You always divide it by 60. Sometimes the minute can also be 75 seconds. So if the halakha tell you 13 and a half minutes, it can be 20 something minutes right there. Depends, summer or winter. Or it can be nine minutes. Because the, in the winter time, the minutes are shorter. Believe it or not, it's big problems. When the baby is born in a period of time between the beginning of the disappearance of the sun to the end of it, there's arguments, and it depends who you posek like. By the Hasidim, when they came to America, after sunset, they still used to drive for another hour on Shabbat. If you, if you do it today, you finish. Your life is over. Nobody will marry your kids. Nobody will want to do with you anything. That's it. You consider Halil Shabbat, Porek all. <laughs> but when they came to America from Europe, for them it was obvious that it's go like Rabbeinu Tam, 72 minutes after the sunset, which means up to an hour before, they're still driving, going to the mikveh, picking up things here, there, driving to shul, every. All the rest of the world are keeping Shabbat. For them, they go another hour. Why? Because they go when, they, when you begin to see the stars. 
When they came to America, the rabbis called them and said, hey, you have to accept the custom of the place. You cannot do whatever you want here. So from now on, you must keep it like everybody else keep it. I'm very surprised at this Hasidim for one reason. When you have few opinions in the halacha about a matter of life and death, a matter of eternal cutting for the soul, that Mechalel Shabbat, the Torah says, soul get cut out of the eternal life. The worst punishment in the history. Nothing can even come close to this punishment in the Torah. How do you dare to take a risk? How do you know which one of the two opinions is correct? You're going by one opinion, and you allow yourself to drive an hour after sunset. What happened if the other opinion is correct? All your life you didn't keep one Shabbat. Don't understand. How can it be? How can it be? I always wonder, what's all these foolish arguments? Faradi, Ashkenazi. Oh, he's Ashkenazi, so he can do it on Shabbat. Oh, he's Faradi, he can do it on Shabbat. It's very foolish. What do you think? The court of heaven cares Faradi, Ashkenazi? They care the truth. What's the real halacha? So I give you an example. Some things that the Ashkenazim don't do, Sfaradim are allowed to do, or the other way around. I'm asking myself, I'm Sfaradi. What happens if the biggest Ashkenazi posek in the world say that this, to do this, it's for sure Chilul Shabbat? And come, the biggest Sfaradi rabbi, his opinion is different, because not everything is 100% clear. There's some gray areas. So he says, it's allowed, he says it's not allowed. I, I care, Sfaradi Ashkenazi, what do I care? I care, maybe the Ashkenazi is right, and if I'll go like the Sfaradi, I'll be Mechalel Shabbat all my life. Maybe he's right. Maybe it's the other way around. I don't know. So the rule is like this. Every doubt you have, when it comes to a mitzvah from the Torah, you have to take the strict side. There's no, no, time, no time right now to be lenient. You have to go to the extreme. If it's a mitzvah from the rabbis, mitzvah the rabbanan, rabbanan say you have to do it. They made that decree, that halacha. That's a different story. You have an argument, you can go by the lenient. Why? So fake the rabbanan lekula. You have a doubt from the rabbis, you can go to the lenient. You have a doubt about a mitzvah, direct mitzvah from the Torah, there's no room for leniency. No room. Why? You cannot take risk, especially when it's karet, when it's one of the worst things you can even think of. So now, after giving you this introduction, so the Torah says, in that period of time, between the beginning of the sunset to the end of it, what we call ben Ashmashot, in between suns, Hashem created ten things when basically everything in the creation was already done. Ten things were created in the time that is getting dark in Eretz Israel, in the land of Israel. When the Torah is speaking about time, it's always going by Israel, the Holy Land. So, like the Torah said that at midnight, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going down to heaven to be with the righteous people. What midnight? Not midnight of United States. Midnight of Eretz Israel. That's how it goes. Everything goes by Eretz Israel. So this is it. Listen to this. It says like this. What are the ten things that Hashem created? First thing, the Be'er, the well that was moving with the nation of Israel until the death of Miriam. When Miriam, the sister of Moshe and Aaron, passed away, the well disappeared. No more water. 
But up to then, her merit got them water everywhere they went. They wanted water, they have a well. And the well is moving by a miracle. Imagine you have a well. A well is a hole in the ground. How can you move a hole in the ground? It's a miracle. Miracle. It's not a real well that you dig inside the ground. It's a well. It's like a special artificial well that's going with them. It's transferring with them. It's a big miracle. One of hundred miracles that Hashem made in the time of the desert. Man, the bread that Hashem supplied us when we were in, in, in the desert, that man was created in Ben Hashemashot, Friday after sunset. The first Friday in the creation. The Keshet, the rainbow. What's the rainbow? The rainbow is a sign after the flood that Hashem will never bring another flood for the entire world. Local floods, plenty, we see every week. An entire flood that destroyed all the world, like it happened in the time of Noah, 4,200 years ago, Hashem promised, I will never bring. What's the sign? The rainbow. Okay? The ktav, the writing, hamichtav, the klaf that we write on it, and the Luchot, the boards of the Ten Commandments, the grave of Moshe Rabbeinu that nobody knows where it is, was prepared for him already from then. The Me'ara, Sha'amad Ba Moshe Ve'Eliyahu. There's a special cave that Moshe went there, and Eliyahu Anavi also used the same cave. Pi'aton, the mouth of the donkey of Bilam, that all of a sudden started to speak like a person. Imagine a donkey speaking, hello, good morning. It's a very humid day today. <laughs> if you hear your donkey speaking, what do you do? You run to your psychologist or psychiatrist immediately. You don't trust yourself. But the, the donkey spoke. And then, Hashem, then the Torah said that Hashem opened the eyes of the donkey and he saw the angel. Right? And then he opens the eyes of Bilam and he saw the angel. What the donkey was able to see, Bilam still didn't see. Because the animals are programmed in a different frequency. The eyes of the animals, if you ever sit in a quiet place with a dog or a cat, sometimes you pay attention that they get very nervous. They look up, they jump to, to the other side of the room, and they begin to cry. So they ask themselves, the person, what, what just happened? It's very quiet here. Why the dog is so nervous? He's moving, he's shaking. The dog is able to see things in the air that we cannot see. They can see angels, they can see demons, they can see so, uh, ghosts, spirits of people, but we cannot see it. But sometimes when the camera takes pictures, the camera detects things in space that the eye of the person who took the picture couldn't see. When they develop the, develop the picture, they see things in, in the air. The, the lens of the camera that works in a faster frequency is able to see things that we cannot see. If you want to see an example of spiritual pictures, I have it in the end of my lecture, Life After Life. In my website, I show there spiritual pictures of things that, images of people that died that the camera was able to see when the camera was taking pictures. So that's called Piaton, the, the, the mount of the donkey. The area that opened up when Korach and the 250 rabbis sank into the ground, the ground opened up. So the mouth that was opened, that was created also in that Ben Hashemashot. And the fire, the Ur, Rabbi, Rabbi Nehemiah says the Ur, Ve'apered, Rabbi, Rabbi 
יושיה says, אף האיל והשמיר, האיל, it's the isle of Abraham Avinu, that Abraham, when he came to Slader Yitzchak, Hashem said not to do it, then he saw the isle is stuck in a, in a bush over there. Shamir was a special worm that they used to put it on the rocks, and it goes and it cuts the rocks. It's like laser, what we call laser today. Laser can open it up. You don't need any physical power. Imagine you have a laser, and the laser can break the, the, the rock to two. The same thing these worms. We don't find these worms anymore. Hashem had them up to the time of King Solomon, and he used them to cut all these big stones. When you go next time to the Western world, pay attention if you go downstairs, there is a stone that is wider than this entire shul. It's a big rock. It's about seven or six or seven feet high. The bottom, the bottom brick, and it goes all the way from the beginning of this shul to the ends, something like 17 yards. Nobody understands how they brought that brick over there. You know how many people you need? Obviously, they had to put round trees and push it. Hundreds of people had to push it. It's like on wheels. The question is how they were able to pick it to put the first wood under. It's a miracle. Nobody understands how it was done. Because if you see the size of that rock, it's hundreds of, hundreds of, of tons. One time I saw somebody calculated it was more than a thousand elephants, the weight of that, of that rock. It's also very deep. Like a thousand elephants. It's <laughs> something like a number that you cannot imagine. So the, how did they cut those bricks with these worms? They made a line. They put two pieces of wood. And the worm has to crawl in between these things. And it goes in a straight line. And after that, they hit it, and it, it breaks open. A miracle. This worm is called Shamir. Rabbi Yehuda says, Af Tzvat. Tzvat, uh, how do you say Tzvat? It's not exactly a plier. It's a special tool that looks like this. When you press on that, it closes. It has like a round thing, like two teeth. What's the name of it in English? Huh? Yeah, that he can pull out uh, uh, nails. What's the name of it? Huh? Why tzvat? What's so important about it? Because the only way to make a tzvat is with another tzvat. There's no way to make it. You need another tzvat to hold it while you're making it. So the first one Hashem made. So all together ten. But few other things are optional. There's few opinions that there were more things than that. Okay? So this is what the Gemara say. Also, also, seven things were created before the world was created. Before Hashem made the, crea the world, seven things were created already prior to that. One is the Torah. 974 generations before the creation, the Torah was already ready. Tshuva. Repentance. Why? Hashem had to make the, the options of making tshuva way before he made the world. Why? Because tshuva is against the, the logic, against the laws of nature. A person can do bad all his life, and then he does hocus pocus, I become a tzaddik from now on, I stop making sins, that's it, and all of a sudden he becomes another person. Become a tzaddik, how can it be? Everywhere else you see nature, if you knock down a hundred floors, if you knock down the Twin Towers, it will take you seven years to build it. You cannot go, okay, I, I regret. 
I want to correct what I made. Uh, my friend, you have to sweat seven years. Tshuva? Whatever you did, it's okay, Hashem. Let's make a deal. I'm a new person. Give me a chance. Chatati, aviti, pashati, slicha. Forgive me. The next day, so already can be a part of the minyan. Can be the Baal Kore. Can write Sefer Torah. Everything changed. Can slaughter the animal. What? An hour ago, I couldn't be a part of the minyan. It's funny because today, there's another problem in Israel. Every day, something new happens in Israel. Once in a while, it's worth to talk about it. Not always, it's worth to waste time. But today, something very interesting happened. A few days ago, the son of Rabbi Ovadia Yosef, he has few sons, that they're all rabbis. One of them, his name is Rabbi Avraham Yosef. He's the rabbi of the city of Chulon. Chulon, it's not far from Tel Aviv, Bat Yam, Rishon Lezion, all these areas in the center of Israel. It's a city that Baruch Hashem in the last few years has a lot of ballet tshuva and synagogues. People become more religious there. And Rabbi Avraham Yosef is uh, the rabbi of Chulon. So he said in a speech a few days ago that the judges, the judges of the court in Israel, the secular court, he's speaking about the ones that have yamaka, but they work in a court, in a non-religious court, Chiloni. They say that they cannot be a part of a minyan, and they cannot be kosher witnesses in a Beit Din. And basically, they are isolated from the community. Why? Because there's no permission to sit in a fake court that judge Jews with the laws of goyim. It's against Hashem. It's rebelling against Hashem. If they tell you, we want you to be a judge in our court, in New York, in Paris, in Tel Aviv, all these courts, is all fake laws. It's not divine laws. It's people made it up. But it gets even better. Even if the judge will come and announce to the religious community, I, became, I used to be a lawyer. I became a judge. I promise you, that I will never rule anything against the Shulchan Aruch. I know the Shulchan Aruch by heart. I learned Torah a lot. Every time I'm going to have to rule against the Torah, I'll quit out of the case. When I see that there's a contradiction, I won't take that case. Why? I love Hashem. I don't want to go against Hashem. I still cannot be a kosher Jew. Cannot be a part of the Minyan. Cannot count him as one of the ten. Nothing. Why? Just sitting in that filthy building, it's rebelling against Hashem. It's disrespect for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's called Chilul Hashem. Sitting with the yamaka over there in a the court and ruling rules against the Torah, or even like the Torah, but ruling not as a rabbi, ruling as a judge, as a secular judge with all the others, it's already a very, very, very big sin. You have no idea what a sin it is. In case you ever think about being a lawyer, a criminal lawyer, or a judge, clean it out of your head. It doesn't pay. You want 20, 20 years of glory and lose your eternity for it? You have to decide if that's what you want. So the judges heard that. They went crazy. So today they ordered to make an investigation. In other words, let's start destroying him. Revenge. So... Somebody today says, I don't understand why they're getting upset. It's a simple halacha. It's not his opinion. That's what the Torah says. No rabbi can rule otherwise. 
Nobody can say otherwise, besides the Reform, but Reform is a different religion. It's nothing to do with Judaism. There's not one thing about Reforms that is similar to the Torah. Not one thing. Nothing. You will not find one halacha by them that is similar to the truth. As a matter of fact, Muslims are much closer to the Torah than Reforms. Also conservatives. They're not as bad as Reforms. But reforms is a completely different religion. Don't ever make that mistake. But Rabbi, they're also Jewish. Not at all. Not at all. Because they made themselves a new religion. They marry men with men. They marry Jews with goyim. They eat whatever they want. They have no limitation whatsoever. They build the sukkah on Yom Tov. They call five Puerto Rican workers. They come with a drill in the middle of Yom Tov. They build the sukkah like in Home Depot. For them, a sukkah, it's like a shed. You know, a shed that you build in your backyard to put the bikes there? Nothing to do with the mitzvah. They don't even believe in the oral Torah. They don't believe in anything. They believe in what is good for them. Tradition, Rabbi, let's play the piano. Isaac the priest will invite him. Hallelujah. We'll put the star David next to the... You know, we all make kapayim. You know, why not, Rabbi? What's the problem? So I have news for you. If one day you're stuck in a heavy rain and you want to pray, obviously you cannot focus when it's pouring rain on your head. You know, how are you going to hold your siddur b'chlal? And you have two buildings. On your right you have a reform shul, and on your left you have a mask. What mask? Mask of the Hamas or the Hezbollah, that they're all murderers of the nations of Israel. That's what they live for, only for that reason, to kill Jews. You are allowed to enter the mosque to pray over there to protect yourself from the, sun, from the rain or from a, heavy, from a strong sun. You're not allowed to step one step inside to the reform shul. Never to participate in weddings over there, not to go to see the building, the architectures, what they, whatever they did over there, an artist. Not allowed to step one step there. Not in a church, not in a reform shul, and not in a conservative shul. In a mosque, you allowed. Why? The Muslims are not idols worshippers. They're not idols worshippers, and they never modified the Torah. They didn't take our Torah and change the mitzvot and say, this is okay, this is allowed, this is... They never said it. Today, they lie in all kinds of lies. But origin, the original Torah, you go to any Arab countries, you ask them for the translation of the Torah, the same Torah that we have. Same Torah. You understand? So, we, they, we don't, we, they don't live by the Torah. So you may ask yourself, what's better to be? A secular Jew that doesn't keep any mitzvah and say, I don't believe in anything, it's nothing for me, I don't care about this religion, or someone who says, I'm religious, I'm a rabbi, reform rabbi. What's better? Better to be secular. Why? Secular is a wicked person. He goes against the rules of Hashem. But he never had the chutzpah to come and say, that's the right way. That's what Hashem wants me, to eat on Yom Kippur. Hashem wants me to marry a man. Hashem wants me to marry Christine, like they say. No, he said, listen, leave me alone. I, I'm not interested to be religious. It's too hard for me. I can't. Leave me alone. So it's like saying, I'm a loser. I'm wicked, but leave me alone. But he doesn't say, that's the Torah, to eat bread on Pesach. That's not what they say. You decide which one is worse. It's not that much to talk about it, but if we already mentioned, so the judges go crazy. 
Why? <laughs> the yarmulke. I guess they didn't hear my lecture that the yarmulke is one dollar and a beard is for free. Not that they have a beard, but anyway. So this is it. So this is something about what's happening there today. Okay, let's continue. So seven things were created before the world. The Torah, Tshuva, Heaven, Gan Eden, where Hashem sends the righteous people after their death. Hell, Hell also. Kisea Kavod, the, the highest level of heaven, which there are seven heavens. The highest one is the seventh one, that's where the chair of Hashem, it's an analogy, it's not a chair from Home Depot or Kisei of Eliyahu Navi, beautiful over there. It's, a, it's a, an analogy. Kisei, it's mashal, Kisei HaKavod and Bet HaMikdash, the measurements, the blueprint of the Bet HaMikdash, and the name of Mashiach was all decided before the world was created, seven things. The Gemara continue, why, why the Torah says, Vayar Hashem Kitov, Vayar Vayi Boker, Yom Rishon. Vayar Hashem Kitov, Vayi Boker, Vayi Boker, Yom Shlishi, Revi'i, Chamishi, Shishi. But on Monday, Hashem did not see that it's good. All the days, Hashem says, He saw that His creation is perfect. And then He said, Vayar, Vayi Boker, it's a complete day. Sunday, complete day, Tuesday, first day, third day, fourth, fifth, and sixth. But in the second day, no word about good. The Torah did not mention good. What happened on that Monday? The answer is, even though hell was created before the world, the fire of hell was put on on Monday, on the second day. When is the first fire in the chambers of hell of Gehenom, in the seven places of hell? It was put on on Monday, since it's a horrible place. Hashem did not want to write good in the Torah on Monday. But Tuesday he wrote twice good. The one for Monday went to Tuesday. And that's why we, say, we have this expression in Hebrew. Yom Shlishi Pa'amayim Kitov. Kitov in the Torah appeared twice. So it's a blessed day. You know, do business, do Pa'amayim Kitov, whatever. Okay, so then... Amar Rabbi Elazar, Afal Pishelon Emar Bo Kitov, even though it was not said Kitov, Chazaru Klalo Beshishiu Veshabbat, Shenemar, Vayar Elokim, et Kola Sherasa, Vine Tov Meod. But in the end, on Friday and on Shabbat, Hashem saw the entire creation, all the six days, and He said, He concluded, it's all good, very good. Not good, very good. Tov me'od, an extra word, which includes even the things that He created on Monday. Because after all, not only hell was put on Monday, there were other things in the Torah, and they were very good. So the good, it's for everything. Then the Torah continued, the Gemara, and says like this. Rabbi Yossi says, Two things Hashem thought to create it on Friday Eve, Erev Shabbat. But He did not create them until Motzei Shabbat, when Shabbat was over. What are they? What are they? Believe it or not, one of them we said already, fire. It was done in the end of Shabbat. And the second thing is mule. 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 It's a son of a horse and a donkey, Pered. 
So the first mule when Motzei Shabbat. I don't know why it's so important, but that's what happened. Tanura Banan. Someone that is a proud person has pride. If he's knowledgeable in Torah, he loses wisdom. His pride eats away his knowledge. Over the years, forgot this, forgot this. I don't remember this Gemara, I don't remember this. Where was it? I used to know it by heart. He doesn't understand what's happening to me. Pride. If he's a prophet, he loses his ability to be a prophet. He can't communicate with Hashem like before. Why? He became a big shot. Oh, look at me. Everyone bow down to me on the street. I feel on the top of the world. Oh, you feel like this? I'm done with you, Hashem say. Goodbye. If he's angry, every time he's angry, Hashem disappeared from his life. Doesn't want anything to do with him. Why? Someone who is angry is like worshiping an idol at that time. Because what are you angry at? You angry at your wife? Don't you understand Hashem sent you that test? You angry at your partner? Don't you understand Hashem sent you that test? Getting angry is like saying there's no Hashem. It's all coincidence. Bad luck. That's why I'm angry. What a bad luck. You know? Amar Avmani ben Patish. Kol Adam Shekoes, every person who is angry, Afilu poskim lo gdula mina shamaim, even if Hashem wanted to send him wealth and fame from heaven, Moridimoto. Hashem flip it away and he goes down instead of up. For what? For anger. Amar Abi Yosef. Ilava Yoma. If Hashem would not give us the Torah that day, how many garbage Yosef would be on the market? Today the Yosefs, they're all important people. What made them important? They know about diamonds. They have a nice store in 47th Street. They finish Harvard. What make a person important in the eyes of Hashem? Two things. Knowledge in Torah and good midot. Your character is good, your personality improve your midot, so you have good midot. Baal chesed, never get angry, not lashonara, no jealousy, none of these things. Right? You're not egoistic, you want to help, whatever you do, plus you learn a lot of Torah, you become an important person. So Rav Yosef said, the only reason I'm an important person, he doesn't want to speak about himself, so he speaks in general. The only reason I became somebody, but for really, really important, not what the nation thinks it's important. It's really important. It's thanks to that day. What day? Chag Shavuot. We got the Torah. Imagine if we didn't get the Torah. What would make us important? Nothing. Who called us the nation of the book? Who made that, that title? Who made the title for us? Muhammad. One good thing he did in his life. He called the Jews the nation of the book. Ama Sefer. For sure, it wasn't the book of Bialik. Bialik. You know, Bialik, 
was a famous author in Israel, writing books and songs. In every school they teach him. There's many streets, Rehov Bialik here, Rehov Bialik there. Bialik was Haredi. Until a certain time of his life, he was ultra-Orthodox. Then, slowly, slowly, he started to become secular, and then he died. So, one time in a seminar, the rabbi said that uh, he heard from one kibbutznik, a Jew from the kibbutz, made a seance, and he communicated with the soul of Bialik. He's dead already. So the kibbutznik told the rabbi in a seminar, kibbutznik is becoming now religious, he told him, I have a story to tell you, rabbi. What's the story? He said, one time I called the soul of Bialik. And at the time that he spoke to Bialik, he wasn't becoming religious. They used to call souls and talk to them, seance, communicating with the soul, with the glass, with the candles. So Bialik, he asked Bialik, where are you? So he told him, I'm in Kafa Kela. So he told him, what is it? The kibbutznik didn't know what it meant. He told him, it's worse than hell. And I have no rest to my soul. So I asked him, for how long are you going to be there? He said, for 50 years, even. 50 years, I have to be there. So he told that to the rabbi. So the rabbi was speaking about life after life. He brought up that story in his lecture. There were two people in the audience that knows how to do seance. They didn't believe him. Ah, this rabbi made up stories. Now, right now, we go and check. If we go and check and we prove that he's, he's lying, we'll blow up this whole seminar away. That's it. They don't let him continue. You sell us nonsense, we'll show you. They went into the room in the hotel. They took a board, everything. They wrote the alphabet. They got a glass, candle, everything. They asked. They called the soul of Bialik. A few minutes later, he comes. They told him, the rabbi down there saying that you got 50 years in Kafa Kela. Is it true? He told him it's true, but tell him that this year, finally, I was transferred to hell. The 50 years is finished. They went and checked. There was exactly 50 years after his death. It's amazing. A few years ago, Mamash. So... They say, they're not religious now. They're not religious. They say, Rabbi, we're backing you up. We went upstairs while you were talking, and we made a seance to him. They also say that they, these two people, they said that they made a seance to Ben-Gurion. Ben-Gurion, the first prime minister of Israel. And they ask him, where are you? And he say, I'm in a boiling waste. What goes in the bathroom? Boiling, huge lake full of waste. That's where I am. So they told him, why are you there? He said, because I made fun of the religion and I made other sins. In the middle of the seance, he wanted to kill one of them. So I'm going to kill this guy. He got me very angry. So right away, they put the candle off, they turned the light on, and that guy got very nervous. He ran to the bathroom, and, he, and then they heard a scream in the bathroom. Scream, ah! He went to the bathroom, they saw he fainted. They thought he died. They woke him up, they put water on his face, they woke him up, I said, what happened? He said, when I came to the bathroom, I looked at the water, I saw his face. So he fainted from the fear. From the fear. 
there's a price that people pay for not listening to Hashem and they don't understand it. Not knowing it doesn't change reality. If you don't know you're in danger, you're still in danger. Nothing is changed around you. You're just not aware of it, but it's on the way. Time to wake up. We are two weeks before Rosh Hashanah. So Rabbi Yosef says, if, that, if not that day, how many Yosef you had around? How many? Like garbage. Farmer, selling watches, fixing shoes. No, they live. What makes Yosef important? And he knows Torah. Amar Rabbi Elazar, Ilmale Torah, without the Torah, Lonit The laws of the creation cannot survive one day without the Torah. Hashem said, not my covenant of the Torah that I made with the nation of Israel, there's no point for me to keeping the creation going. What keeps the world continuing to go again and again, day, night, sun, night, sunny, night again? What is this? Because the Torah is giving energy to the world. Amar Rabbi Elazar, one of the reasons that HaKadosh Baruch Hu spread the Jews in the whole world is to teach the nations about the truth of Hashem and to make as many converts as possible. Real converts. Most of the converts in the world today are fake, fake ones. The, most of them are fake. How you become a fake convert? First of all, when you came to convert, you had a reason. You love Miriam or Rachel. You are John. John is not allowed to marry Miriam and Rachel. So John wants to be Jewish. John wants to be Jewish because he met Rachel. If he would meet Fatma, he would like to be Muslim. <laughs> so it's not for the truth. It's for his convenience. Then even if he converts, it's nonsense. Second problem, John wants to be a Jew, but he doesn't want to keep mitzvot. <laughs> what is it like? Someone wants to be a pilot, but he, wa- he does not want to enter the plane. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. I want to be Jewish. What does it mean to be Jewish? To keep Shabbat. To keep Kashrut. To keep modesty. To learn Torah. No, no, it's too much for me. So what do you want? I want to have a star David chain. Like Avi, like Itzik. What's, what's the difference between them and me? Look at him. Ponytail, tattoo, playing on a beach, he has a chain, Star David, and that's what makes him Jewish. So what's the rabbi say to John? They say to him, you don't understand, they're already born with a ticket in their pocket. Their mother was Jewish, so they're born with a Jewish soul. They are guilty every second of their life with their sin. So when they die, they will pay the price. But you want to turn into a Jew, you need to receive a new soul. The soul doesn't come if you don't accept mitzvot. What other problem with these converts? That they didn't convert in a kosher court. They went to three rabbis, but those rabbis are not an authority to convert people. Some of the base deans are not kosher to make converts. So there are all kinds of problems. And some of these goyim, even though they say that they accept mitzvot, they say, the next day after they converted, you already see this woman walking half naked on the street. How are you, Christine? Oh, I'm sorry, Sarah. How are you? Good, I'm Jewish today. Wish me mazel tov. Jewish? How you dress? It means you never accepted the mitzvot. 
Not right away, Rabbi. You know, it takes time to get used to it. No, my friend. The process of getting used to it comes before the conversion. In the time of the conversion, you go into the water, Christine, you come up, Sarah, no games. Sarah means strictly modest, strictly kosher, strictly keeping Shabbos, learning all the laws, all the alachot. No, you know. But the converts that are real, we have a lot to learn from them. I know a few of them. Believe me, I'm embarrassed. When you see what they do, what they give, what they sacrifice to get to where they are, you shake. Gemara in another place say, Kashim gerim Israel kasapachat. Converts, it's like a cancer in the skin of the nation of Israel. Person has his entire flesh. Few stains here and there. You know those brown dots all over his skin? Sometimes it's cancer. What's the name of it? Melanoma, melanoma, some kind of a scary name. Even though from all the cancer is the most lenient one that can be treated, if you don't do it on time, it's too late already. It goes inside and then... Why? Why they are like cancer in the skin? Because few reasons. One is when a Jew comes to his trial, Hashem asked him, why you didn't keep this mitzvah? It was very difficult for me. Right away, show him someone who used to be Chris, used to be Ahmed, used to be John. He shows, look at John. He's an Irish guy, came from Dublin, Irish accent. You know, it has nothing to do with Judaism. He used to eat pork morning, evening, and afternoon, all around the clock, even when he was asleep, he was eating pork. And look at him today. Holy, Gemara, Mikveh every day, Shabbat is Shabbat, Majesty is Majesty. Complete. He can do it. You cannot do it. Right away, the Jews say, okay, okay, where can I hide? Where, where can I put my head? From the embarrassment. I grew up like this, and he grew up without it, and he became ten times better than me. So it's like a kitrug. It gives strength to the Satan to put us down. Look at them, look at him, look at him. Big problem. Also, there's another reason why it is, because up to ten generations after they convert, they can, they, their, their, their descendants are not 100% pure yet. It goes 70, 75, 80, every generation becomes better and better, because now they're already born Jews. But it takes up to 10 generations to know for sure that these descendants will stay holy for the rest of the history. Up to 10 generations, there's no certainty 100%. Every generation better than the previous one. There's some kind of a spiritual problem over there. It's not 100%. The Gemara, it's the word of the Gemara. Tanura Banan, seven things Rabbi Akiva ordered Rabbi Yoshua Bno. Rabbi Akiva had a son, his name is Yoshua. Bni, don't live on the hill of the mount of the city and learn Torah over there. Do not live in a city whatever that means. Don't break into your house, even if it's your home house. Always knock on the door. Make sure your wife hears that you knock and then open the door. Don't just break in. 
And obviously, never to strangers' house, just break in like this. Some people go like this. They open the door. Did you hear me giving you permission to enter? What happened if I just, I don't know, took my shirt off and stretched? One guy, one guy, his wife called him up. She, le she left the house and she called him. Moishi? Yes? Can you do me a favor? What? You and your favors again. I left the soup on and the fire and I'm afraid it will boil and spill over. Can you go downstairs and put the fire off? I'm on my way to the shower. She said, what's the problem? No, what do you want me? No, I have to drive all the way back to do it. I'm already far away from home. So okay, okay. So he hang up the phone. There's only one problem. He already took his clothes off. The water already in the shower is ready to go. I was about to enter in when the phone rang. So I'm thinking now, okay, now what am I going to do? I'm going to start getting dressed again. Put my pants back on, the shirt, close the buttons. Nobody's here. Let me run quickly downstairs, put the fire off, and I come back. So he runs quickly, he gets down, the kitchen area, he turns the light on, 300 people, balloon, sign, surprise! <laughs> Happy birthday! His wife, no soup, no nothing. Uh, if he would listen to the Torah, it would never happen to him. The Torah says you have to be modest everywhere. You, everywhere you have to be modest, except under the blanket. To cover with the blanket is like being dressed under the blanket. Okay, no problem. If you're not so modest under the blanket, as long as you cover it, it's fine. But even in a bathroom to be modest. Then... Always make sure you wear shoes, because in the old days, it was hard to have shoes. Not, not so simple like today. You go, you buy $10, you go to Walmart, you buy shoes for $10, it's good for three months. The old days, to make shoes was a horrible thing. Ah, cut the leather, sew it together. They used to tie it all the way to the knees, because the people used to walk. <laughs> While a person walk in 70 years, they used to walk in a week. It's not like today, you get into your car, everyone has a big belly, nobody walk. No, people forgot how to walk. No mileage in the legs. No mileage. You know, he doesn't walk, he wants to go to the shul, half a block from his home. Moshe, what are you doing? Where is the car key? Where are you going? To Daven. One block away, he takes the car. In the old days, people walk hundreds of miles from one city to another, in walk, while they were plowing the ground. So much activity. So, make sure you have shoes. In the summer, eat early. Ashkem ve'echol bakaitz. Ashkem, early. Before the sun comes out. Once it's too hot, it takes energy. When you eat and right away go into your business, okay. Also in the winter. If you poor, it's better you make a very simple Shabbat, whatever you can afford to eat, than to start borrowing money and go ask people to give you things. Better not to ask favors if you have something to eat on Shabbat. It's not fancy, but better. Always join a partner that is lucky. If you see someone that this is his good years in business, everything he touched become gold, right? Join him. 
Why, if you don't deserve to be rich, you become rich thanks to his mazal. Uh, it can be the other way around. If you take a partner that everything he touches lose, until now you were successful, it can change your luck to his luck. I had a friend, one day he told me, you know, I found a way to make money. So I told him, what do you do? He said, mostly it's my wife. I don't even deal with that so much. I look sometimes. She, she went to a course, and she found, she buys stocks, she sells them on a computer, and so far, it's been great three months. Everything we did was, went well. She's very good at that. I said to myself, it's beginner's luck. <laughs> like somebody saw me on the street today cry about his problems. He went also to the market. He lost in day and a half, 10,000, somebody gave him $10,000 to invest. In two days, he finished the whole money. So he told me, that, you don't understand, before I started to trade in a demo, I only made money. Every day, 1,500, 2,000 in a demo. It's not real. I told him, that's what everybody does, says. How does Satan get you in to lose your money? First, he gives you candy. You know, like the drug dealers. Come, come, for free. <laughs> Why, they're so generous? <laughs> the Jewish Santa Claus. <laughs> come, come, my brother. Come, I know you're depressed. Come, take some. Yeah, sure, you're a customer for life. But none of them think. Look what a nice guy he is. You feel bad for me. Yeah, to bury you for the rest of your life. So, so I told my friend, okay, very good. One time somebody heard that he's making money, and that somebody I know is cursed 100% in his luck, Mishamayim. Everything he touched, he lose. So he told me he wants to give, wants to give me $10,000 to invest with. This is 12 years ago. So I told him, listen, I don't want to be in between you and him, but I'm telling you one thing. If you take his money and put it, mix it with your money, don't expect to, to be profitable anymore. You lose all your money. Ah, you exaggerate. It's not that bad. I told him, okay, I just said my warning to Jew to a Jew. You're my friend. I feel bad for you. As soon as he took his money, not only he lost his money, Everything that he made in three months, he lost in a few days. Plus, on the, what he owed them, now he owes the money from his pocket. So he told me, how did you say that? I said, I'm telling you. I know, it's obvious. And not only that, that guy never left him alone. What did you do with my money? What did you do with A year after, he's angry. How did you lose $10,000 in one week? <laughs> told him, you see? Now, if he would make him money, he wouldn't even make a dollar. It was a mitzvah, for the mitzvah. I didn't want commission or anything. He wanted to help him out. That's what it says here. Then, Tanura Banan, someone who has intimate relationship with his wife on a bed that the baby is on her. Let's see, there's a big bed and the baby is in a corner sleeping. That baby say goodbye to his life. His life will be Hashem Irachem. Not, he won't die. But Hashem Irachem, what's going to happen with him? But when is it true, the Gemara says, when the baby is still not one year old, up to one year old. Once he's one year old and older, don't worry about it. Because remember, people today have 15 beds in the house. 
In those days, there was one bed for everyone. They sleep two hours, you get up, somebody else sleep. There's no, nobody could afford. There's no room for more than one bed. I remember how my grandmother was, how the entire neighborhood there in Tel Aviv, where they lived, how it was. The houses was one big room, that's it. No rooms, no bedrooms. One big room, bed here and a bed here, a, di a dining room in the middle of the room, a little radio on the corner, the bathroom, the shower, is a little shed outside, manual. You have to, you know, you fill up the water and you put it on your head, no electric. You, you take a complete darkness, because when you close the door, there's no light, nothing. A much complete darkness. You want soap, something, you have to open the door a little bit, you find where the soap is, that's how it was. And this is only 40 years ago, 35 years ago. Rabbi Ovadia Yosef, somebody says that when he was in his house with all his brothers, so when they used to, to mop the floor, he was standing on a chair in the middle of the room with his gemara. Why? There's no place to stand. Because there's only one big room and they wash the floor. He cannot walk around. So he's standing on a chair like this for an hour until they finish to clean. Then when they finish, he comes down off the chair. That's how it was. So that's why the Gemara say when they wanted to be together, there's no place where to put their baby. They put him on the side of the bed. Where are they going to put him? On the floor? It wasn't like today, bassinet, crib, another crib. Car seat. They're confused. Where should I put him today? <laughs> Different life. Then, never live and walk alone in the middle of the night. It's not talking about our days. Today, there's lights. Night and day is the same thing. Nights, you have lights everywhere you go, from the stores, from the neon lights. It's no problem, but remember, in the old days, you came out of your home, two steps out of your house, it's complete darkness. Trees, no roads like today. You walk in the sand, in the, in the tons of weeds, you go snakes, scorpions, all kinds of animals outside. You know, you hear the noise. In the middle of the night, you're by yourself. There's demons. The demons like to go to places when they feel safe. Never leave in the middle of the night by yourself. Always walk with someone. When you make noise, they don't come close. There's a bad angel, demon, that is very strong on Wednesday night, which is, means Tuesday night, when it's the beginning of Wednesday, and Friday night, when it's the beginning of Shabbat. And they give the name of it. It's not good to say it anyway. And there's 18,000 Malachi Chabalah, 18,000 different kinds of demons that they are making bad problems for people. They go out on that night and the Wednesday night, and the, and the, and the Friday night. Then, four things Rabbi Yehuda Nasi order his children. Don't live in a city of Shchentziv. Why? The people over there are all clowns. Too much comedy clubs over there. Laughing, laughing, jokes. Hashem doesn't like jokers. He likes serious people. Don't live there. Because if you live there, you become like them. Because it's like a, an addiction. People make jokes around you. All of a sudden, you forgot that you're a rabbi, you're an important person. The next thing, you also start saying jokes. I had a friend that naturally, every five seconds, he has to say a joke. 
So I always say to myself, Rosh Hashanah, I shouldn't, I shouldn't invite him to my house, Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is the judgment day. He sits on the table, he makes jokes. Five minutes later, you forget you're Jewish, Bechlal. <laughs> remember this, remember that, remember we went to Philadelphia, what happened there. Before you realize, the judgment day become a joke. So every year I say to myself, I must remember. And every year in the last minute, the Satan makes sure he comes to my house for Rosh Hashanah. <laughs> you understand? Right. Very good. All the guests, everybody wants to make tshuva, the judgment, the Rosh Hashanah. Not allowed to say one word besides Torah and Tehillim and tshuva. Ah, sitting, jokes. This Kurdish guy, this Moroccan guy, Persian guy, Georgian guy. All of a sudden, you enjoy the meal, you eat, well, very good, your stomach is growing, and you're laughing. Remember, jokers, four groups do not accept the Shekhinah of Hashem, the spirit of Hashem. One of the groups is clowns, cut leitzanim, cut leitzanim, moshav leitzim. Moshav leitzim can be a stadium also. Stadiums, people sit there, they scream to the horse, run, run, Jimmy, run. Whatever his name is. Jimmy, yeah, screaming, ah, oh, they jump, they hug, yeah, goal. <laughs> you, the son of Akanosh Baruch with these clowns? Look at him, the boy is crying. Why? His team got a goal. <laughs> oh, but no, no, we lost. What happened? Who dies? I promise you, when his grandmother dies, he doesn't cry like his team got a goal or lost the game. Check and see if I'm right or wrong. Don't ever sit on mitat aramit, on a bed that belongs to a goya. You know, if you know how many sins she does over there, you don't want to sit over there. Get her tumah. I know a rabbi, he, whenever he goes to hotels, he never sleeps on the beds over there. Sleeps on the floor. So somebody asks you, rabbi, how you, have, how you can function sleeping like this on the floor? And he doesn't use their blankets, nothing. He said, just thinking what they did on this bed, I want to die. You want me to sleep on that bed? <laughs> Think about it. No. What hotels were made in America for? For sins. Only for sins. Without sins, they all go out of business. Check if I'm right. Then... Don't be careful when you pass in the duty, don't cheat, he told him. Why? Because in the old days when you used to cheat in the duty, if they catch you, they take everything you have. Today, they give you a penalty. Let's say you want to take a, an iPhone to Israel and they catch it in your bag. How much it worth? Let's say $300. So they know how much it costs here. So they give you, they make it such, an, such a price that it doesn't pay to, to bring it in. In Israel, it's going to be cheaper. Plus, they give you a penalty. Most people leave it there. So, okay, take it. I don't want it. Why? It doesn't already pay. It's better to go back in America and try to do it, smuggle it again, still be cheaper than, than pay them what they want. But in the old days, it was worse. You dare to smuggle? We take everything away from you. I told you the story about this religious guy that smuggled 20,000 bottles of whiskey, no? 20,000 Johnny Walker in a container smuggled them to Israel more than 50 years ago, 70 years ago, something like that. 
So, when they caught him, they were very happy. First time they catch a religious guy doing something wrong. Today it happens every five minutes. But 50, 60 years ago, ooh, wah, everybody came to see a guy with a beard and a hat. You also do something wrong? Ah, life is great. Makes them feel good about their sins. It's not only us. Look, it's him also. Rabbi, Rabbi X, Rabbi... They feel great. So, that's why Chilul Hashem is such a bad sin. Because it makes them strong in their sin. Oh, they're also not angels. You know? So, the judge told him, you know, if we found you guilty, you're expecting a heavy penalty and, 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 and even jail time. So right away, he told the judge, don't waste your energy. I'm 100% innocent. <laughs> so the judge started to smile. He said, you're innocent? They caught you red-handed, smuggling so many bottles of whiskey. Don't tell me you intended to drink all this whiskey. <laughs> I told him, no, I smuggled it 100% with lots of thought. So how can you be innocent? He said, the law of the state of Israel say you're not allowed to smuggle any merchandise through the ocean and through the land. I smuggle with the airplane in the air. I never violated the rules. The judge said, how can it be? That's what the law says? Let's go, let's go and check. They bring from the archive a big book. They go, the laws of smuggling. You're not allowed to smuggle anything from the oceans and from the land, because in the old days, they only had trains and boats. There's no planes when the Turkish wrote that law. There's no planes. And he checked that one day. He said, oh, I found a way to become rich overnight. The judge said, you got us. Let him go. The next day, they changed the law. <laughs> but he already made it. Imagine if they wouldn't catch him. He could have done a hundred times. Who knows? All right, so, okay. So he told him, Rabbi Yehuda Nasi, don't mess with the duty. Because if they catch you, they'll take away all your money. Don't stand in front of the axe. When it comes out of the lake, because the Satan is in between his horns. Rav Shmuel made a comment. We, he's talking about a black ox in the days of Nisan. There's no logic here. Don't look for logic. It's all secrets. It's Kabbalah. That's mysticism. Why Nisan? No, I don't know. Why black ox? Why to begin with the Satan is in between his horns? I don't have the answers. But this is what I'm showing you, the knowledge the Torah had about things that nobody has an idea about. Tani Rabbi Oshaya, you have to stay away from an innocent axe, 50 ama, 25 meters, 75 feet. Never come to his range, 75 feet around in a regular good axe that doesn't have a record that he attacked anyone. An ox that has a record that he attacked at least three times in his history, you have to stay away from him that you won't be able to see him. But there's only one problem. In the old days, people had a much better vision than today. Today, a person look at the ladders, he cannot see the worms. Even in the sun, he, stays, he looks like this, I don't see anything, Rabbi, perfectly clean. But when you take a magnified glass, shee, a party over there. And after our party, the worms, the green, the ones, they're dancing. 
you know, five to the left, five to the right. It's apparently on the ladders that you're about to eat. But before the, you took the magnifying glass, you didn't see all this party. It looks like uh, everyone is sleeping. So the Torah says the person is not allowed to eat things that he can see. Things that he cannot see, it's microscopic, it's not a scene. But I saw one rabbi wrote an answer. He said, don't be so happy. Why? In the old days, people had such vision that what we cannot see, every average person was able to see. But from all the scenes that people do with their eyes today, their eyes are not as strong as they used to be. And he brings a proof. He brings a proof about the shepherds. Shepherds, when your shepherds have sheep, they have to give one out of ten for Bet HaMikdash. Every ten sheep that you have, you have to count. One of them you take a color, you paint on his wool. That's holy. That's why you cannot use it anymore. Can't take the wool, can't take the milk, nothing. Cannot slaughter him, cannot eat him, nothing. This belongs to Bet HaMikdash. One day you put all of them, you put them together, and you take them to the Kohen, and you give it to him. Donation to Bet HaMikdash. So the Gemara asks, what happens if you have five sheep here, and five sheep somewhere else? Can you put them together to, get, to take one of them to give Maser, or they don't join together? So the Gemara says, depend. If they are in your eyesight, that you can look at this group and that group at this, from the same place, they join together. The Gemara asks, what is the eyesight of a person? 18 kilometers. The Gemara gives an example. How long? 18 kilometers. From uptown Manhattan all the way to downtown Manhattan. You stand, your friends say, oh, hi Moshe, how are you? People were able to see. Today, even one mile a person cannot see. What's over there? That's it. Plus, there were no worms like today in the greens. The Torah said that when people make scenes, there's too much worms. Okay, Amar Rabbi Yochanan, three HaKadosh Baruch Hu announced their name in the court of heaven every day. No, who are they? A single guy, not married, who live in the city. Why in the city? Because there's a lot of ladies there. City. Ve'enochote, but he does not make any sins until the day he will get married. Hashem announces his name every day. Imagine, imagine you see a guy, goes, he learns Torah, he grows up, he's 19, 20, 21, never touched a girl. Why? Hashem, Hashem's watching. So fighting his desires, Hashem takes his name and announces it in the court of heaven. What do you think? It's a joke here? Imagine your name up there. Moshe ben Yitzchak Borochov. Who is he? He's already 21, never made a scene. Yaakov Avinu never touched a woman and made a scene once in his life. Never wasted a drop of his seed until 86 years old. Ruven, his son, Reshit Oni, the Torah says. The first time I was able to do it, he says, when he was 80-something years old. What do you think? The Torah make people righteous just because they have beautiful eyes? Know how much they sweat for it? To be a name in the Torah? People think Abraham was a millionaire. He went around. He had a slave, Eliezer. You know, he loved Hashem. 
What's the big deal? I also love Hashem. I don't understand what does it mean when you say Avraham, you have to shake. If Avraham Avinu would walk here in Main Street today, tomorrow, let's see, show up, Hashem takes him like the time tunnel. Oh, Avraham lands in our generation. What would happen here, you think? Gee, people from India would walk to see him all over the world. Wow, is this Avraham Avinu? But I promise you one thing, as soon as Avraham would land here, he would kill himself for what he see around. So Hashem, I, I didn't want you to send me to hell. I thought you're sending me to see my, my, my grandchildren. The way they are, they cannot be. Take me back. What? A poor person broke completely. Today, someone who doesn't have a million dollars is poor in America. They're not talking about this kind of poor. They're talking real poor. Real poor means piece of bread every two, three days he gets to survive. And he found a lost object, found something nice. Psh, look at this Kashmir jacket. Ah, I can sell it and, and live six months with this money. And he, he runs and looks for the owner. Even the owner is wealthy and return it to him. A person that has lots of food, most of the wealthy people that have a lots of food, they make sure everybody see that they take away fruits and give donation. Right? I don't want bad reputation. What happens if nobody sees that I give tzedakah? They're all going to make me a name of a cheap guy. Look at this stingy guy. Not once we got a fruit from him. They do it and they don't care. Well, okay, you can think I'm stingy. I know I'm doing what I do. In Sina, hidden, nobody sees. Three HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves very much. Someone who never gets angry, right away, we're not in this category. No, maybe the next one. Someone who never gets drunk, very hard for the Bukharians. Without Bismo, it's more big problem. Bismo, it's more, you know. You want to get married to, to a nice Bukharian girl, you have to go to a special test with her parents. They invite all the uncles. Yalla Habibi, that's the first battle for tonight. No, I don't feel good. Drink. You don't drink, the medic is off. Right away, Hashem say, I'm sorry. Her father-in-law love you, but with me, I have a problem. Mi she'eno mishtaker, umi she'eno ma'amid al midotav. A person that is stubborn, everyone who made him a problem, he never forgets. No, I'm not Mochel. I don't forgive you. I don't forgive you. <laughs> I heard something very strange on Sunday when I came back from the seminar, driving back to Monsi. We got a phone call from a guy in Israel. He used to live in Monsi, and he has a tenant that rents the place for nine years from him. He rents, it's not really basement, it's a walking. He rates the basement. So the guy made Aliyah to Israel, he calls me up now, he said, I put the house for sale. And that tenant found out that I'm about to sell the house. So I don't know, maybe he doesn't like it. I prepared him, listen, I have to sell the house, I moved. So I told him, please start looking for a place for yourself. So he told me, you have to pay me for painting two rooms when I moved in. <laughs> so I told him, when did you? What? When was that? Nine years ago? Why you never said anything for nine years? 
So he started to tell him, okay, you know what? After he saw that this guy is stubborn, no, no, I waited for nine years to tell you this. Now I think it's the right time. So he told him, how about I pay you for the paint, whatever it costs? No, no, no. In the end, the guy hang up the phone on him, and for two weeks, he doesn't answer his phone call. Even when he say hello, and he finds out it's him, he hang up. He didn't pay him the rent for August. So... When he told me that story, I already knew this guy from before. What's the story with this guy? One time I asked him, why do you hate this guy so much? He has a Brit. He told us to come to the Brit. I told him, let's go, tomorrow Brit. This guy was 50 years old. He just got married. Finally had a baby when he's 50. So it was a big happiness for him. You know, after so many years, he finally got married. So people felt more obligation to go to that Brit. So I told him, I'm picking you up, come. No, no matter what, he doesn't want to come to the Brit. So I told him, why are you so angry? Why you don't want to come to the Brit? So he said, ah, I hate this guy already for seven years. <laughs> so I told him, why? What did he do? He said, one time I went to work for him. He's a gardener. And he told me, I'm going to get lunch for the workers, the Spanish workers working, and I'm putting you to watch them. Make sure they don't steal any tools. They steal a tool and run away. I don't know who they are because I pick them up from the street. Every day, different workers. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this guy is watching them. As soon as he turns his head, one of them stole something, special shovel or something, and, and disappeared. When that guy came back, he told him, where is this guy? Wow, we stole 50 bucks I paid for it. I'm taking it off from your paycheck. At the end of the day, I was supposed to give him $100. He gave him only 50 so he took up the $50. He told him, you are in charge to make sure they don't steal. They stole. So he took it off. So I told him, no. So he said, that's it. I cannot look at him anymore. I said, but now it's seven years later. Seven years later. Plus, one time that guy asked him, why are you so angry at me? So he told him, because of what happened. So he told him, tell me how much I'm sending you right now the money. I don't, if I knew that you get angry, I would lose. I don't care about the money. Tell me how much to send you. Right now I send you. You want more? You want 100? You want 300? Tell me how much. It doesn't work it for me to have an enemy for money. Tell me I'll send you the money. No. It's <laughs> so now I got that call. It, it falls together. A guy like this, Akash Baruch doesn't like him at all. Why? You have a problem now. If you are like this... Then Hashem is stubborn with you. You make a sin, don't cry to me. What are you crying to me? You don't forgive anyone. You want me to forgive you? Whatever you do to others, I do to you. So forgiving people is actually helping yourself, not to them. Forgiving people, it's mean I'm not doing him a favor to make him feel good. I'm actually helping myself to be forgiven. That's called Amavir al Midotav. Time is running out. We'll finish this page. Tanura Banan. Free Kadosh Baruch Hu hates them. If somebody would ask you, if you ask somebody, is it possible that Hashem hates someone? Some people will tell you, God forbid, Hashem never hates anyone. Wrong. The Gemara say there are people who Hashem doesn't like. Someone who has one thing in his heart and say the opposite in his mouth. A hypocrite. What we call tzavu, a hypocrite. It's all a show-off. He sees enemy. Ah, how are you? I missed you. 
Gemara says story, one rabbi told his student, let's take a walk. So they come out of the yeshiva, they start to walk. The rabbi walks first, and then all the students follow him. One of the students from the city came back on a boat from the port and was walking with his bags towards the yeshiva. So he saw, wow, look, the rabbi and all the students coming to, to welcome me. So he said, Rabbi, I'm, I'm so honored. You didn't have to give me so much respect. You all come here. Well, I get to the yeshiva. So the rabbi said, we're not coming for you. We're just taking a walk. So then after the walk, the student asked him, Rabbi, why did you care to pretend? Let him feel good. So the rabbi said, Midvar sheker tirchak. I never lie, no matter what. Even though it's not a lie here. It's his mistake. Why am I, why I supposed to correct him? He thinks I came to say hello to him. I say hello to him and I continue to walk. Big deal. We clean. What's in the heart, that's what we say. No. Then, Your friend is in a problem in court. You can testify and make him win the case. You saw it and you don't go to help. We're not talking about Goish court. Goish court is no mitzvah to testify. Better to avoid it as much as possible. Yeah, why? Because you participate in a corrupted system. As soon as you go there, you're already in a corrupted system. Rotten from the foundation. But in a base din, bed din tzedek, with righteous tzaddikim that sits and try to search for the truth, if you know who's right and you're not going to testify, you fall into this category that HaKadosh Baruch Hu hates you. You saw your friend is doing something wrong. You, see, you saw your friend is doing something wrong. And you are only one witness. You know that you, know, you cannot testify because you're one witness. You need at least two people. Since there's nobody else, you're the only person over there, you go and ruin his reputation. You go and say, I saw him doing this and this and this. You're not allowed. If there was another witness, now you prosecute him in court, you must say the truth. But since they cannot accept your testimony, it's becoming Lashon Ara. Who gave you permission to say it? You cannot say it. Only if it's something famous that everybody already knows about, it's a different story. But over here, it's a problem. Okay, Tanura Banan. We're finishing the page, and that's it for tonight. Three, their life are not life. Three kinds of people, they live, but they're really dead. Who? People who have too much mercy, we'll explain soon. People who have too much fire, let's explain. Too much mercy means, promise me when I tell, believe me when I promise you this, 90 out of 100 people, talking Jews, are in this category. What does it mean? Everything that they do in their life comes from the heart, not from the brain. They see a thief robbing people's houses, breaking glasses, go breaking cars, stealing. The police call him. He's with handcuffs. Poor guy. 500 victims, nobody cares. Nobody cares. Poor guy. They see, they execute a very wicked person. Ooh, one of the worst. Psh, my heart is for him. 
They brought their nephew to work in their business, the son of their brother. The next day, you check the camera, now you give him a place to sleep, you give him food, you give him money, you give him a job. A week later, you come to the camera, you see the guy, every hour, a hundred bucks in his pocket, still from your register. What's my brother's gonna say if I kick him out, my mother, my brother, it's gonna be a problem in the family, Rabbi, soon we have a wedding, we're all gonna have to see each other, I can't throw him, keep him there, three, four weeks later, he'll bury you alive. That's called working only from the heart. Everything they do comes from the heart. Nothing from the head. The next category is people that everything they do comes also from the heart, but always angry. No matter what happened, you say, hey, good morning, Mr. Moshe. How are you? None of your business. Don't give me a look. Don't come here. Everything gets him angry. They have no life. Everything that happens around them, they suffer. The wife bought a blanket. Why you bought this color? Okay, what color you want? Buy yellow. Then she goes, the next day she brings yellow. Oh, I don't like this. Everything is angry, everything. Why you did this? Why you did that? Why you say this? Why you say that? Everything gets him angry. I had an uncle, when the kids used to play backgammon, when they throw the dice on the backgammon from wood, the noise <laughs> used to drive him crazy. <laughs> he got all the kids in the family to be so paranoid that until this day, all my cousins, when they play backgammon, they throw the dice on the rug. <laughs> from the fear of that, oh, you're making this noise again, go crazy. No, he has life, this guy. And the third one, it's called istenis. What's istenis? Public bathroom, he'll die, he won't sit there. Public bathroom. If somebody do double dipping, he vomits. What happened? You know, you know, you have a high blood pressure? No, you don't believe what I just saw. A person with no manners took his, his, his fork and put it inside the hummus. Horrible thing. Or somebody blew his nose next to him. No life. If he has a bathroom in his home, he put a sign, private. You need bathroom, go somewhere else. Go, go downstairs, there's a restaurant, you can go there. Somebody like this, if you ever give him a suit, somebody wore it? No, 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 I can't have it. What happened? So what? Brand new. Somebody wore it. No, 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 I can't. You got it? That's called his tennis. If he sweat, he can't function. What, you, not, you cannot learn? No, no, I'm sweating, I can't. I can't. There are people like this. It's called his tennis. Three loves each other. Three, three things love each other. The converts, they love each other. Converts love the convert because they're both in the same situation. The slaves, all slaves want each other because they've all been put down. And the crows, the crows love each other and help each other very much. Three hates each other. Dogs, chickens, and the prostitutes hate each other. Oh, you went to her? Ah, you know, she, she's sick, you probably, that's it, you're dead, go check yourself. <laughs> Whatever, they hate each other. 
No matter what. Four kinds of people, it's impossible to stand them. Dalge'e, a person who has nothing. No wisdom, no look, no money, no nothing. You, you tell him, you have anything positive about you? Nothing. And all day he walks like a show-off. I'm here. I'm here. <laughs> Expect people to rise. Hey, it's arrive, you know? It's called Dalge'e. No one is allowed to be proud, but somebody who has nothing about him and is proud, it makes it much worse. Ashir Mekachesh, a billionaire old person, tomorrow is in a grave already, you come to beg him for tzedakah. No, I don't have any money, business is bad. No, how much taxes I paid this year? I can't help you, Rabbi. I wish. Come in, in, in five years from now. He's <laughs> nine years old. Come in five years from now. <laughs> One guy wrote in his will, he comes to the rabbi, he said, Rabbi, no, he said, Rabbi, I want you to bury me with a warm coat and five dollars in a pocket. <laughs> so the rabbi said, I never had such an unusual request. Allow me to ask why. So he said, I know in the day of the resurrection of the dead, when all the dead people would rise from the grave, it may be very cold winter. <laughs> so I would need a warm coat and $5 to buy a cup of coffee, not to freeze. I know my children. They won't buy me that coffee and get me the coat. So the rabbi say, if this is your children, don't worry about rising from the dead. You won't be there. You won't rise if that's the kind of children you live in. They won't get you a coat and, uh, and uh, that means you fail in your life, my friend. You won't rise. Don't worry. So, someone who likes to take control of his community. They put him a gaba in a shul. Oh, he feels he's Bill Gates. You move here, you sit here. Nothing for no reason. He moved here, he moved the picture there, just to show that he's in charge. <laughs> Someone who's menaef, but is old. Zaken menaef, 65, 70, still got to make sins with women. Not embarrassed. But not old women. Young women, like all these rich ones. As soon as you land in Las Vegas, you faint. What's going on over there? You see what happened in the airport? You want to vomit. In Hebrew, we say, amevin yavin. And somebody says, Amegareshet ishto pa'am rishona ushniya umachzira. To get divorced and to return back together for the first time, it's mitzvah. Let's you got divorced. I don't know, two months later, the anger went away. You met your ex-wife in the street. Ah, oh, you Moshe, good. Thank you for the child support. It always came on top. Very good. Thank you for not making me waste money on lawyers. I appreciate it. Oh, you became very pretty. What happened? You lost weight? You want to get married? Yeah, let's get married. Mitzvah. Got divorced again, twice. Now again. How are you? You go to your way, uh, let me go to my way. Twice, it's enough. Don't make the same mistake three times. Hamisha Dvarim, Knan, said to his children, Knan, five things he told his children. He said, love each other, help each other. Steal as much as you can. 
love all kinds of crimes with the ladies, hate your masters. If you work for somebody, make sure you make them a lot of problems, and make sure never to say the truth. Yeah, never to say the truth. Six things were said about a horse. What? He loves relationship, intimate relationship, love the war. Why his name is Sus? Sas Lakrav. He's happy to go fight. You take a horse into a fight. Oh, he's happy. <laughs> Action. Action. You know? Rucho Gasa is arrogant. He doesn't like to sleep. He sleeps only half an hour a day. Shnatsus, and it's an expression. David Amelech is to, to sleep, asleep of a horse. Why? Half an hour and wake up. Ochel eats like a pig, and his bathroom is very little compared to how much he ate. <laughs> Always like to walk in the sides of the road, not in the middle of the road. If there's a side of the road, it's like a, a dog that has rabies. He also likes to walk on the side of the road. His tail is down, saliva is dripping from his mouth, his ears are all the way up, you know. They have signs. The Gemara said, the Gemara gave these signs. So the horse likes to go on the sides of the road. And some says that they have this pleasure to see that the one who rides on them falls and dies. When they go, like say they go crazy, you know, in the rodeo, how they jump, they try to get you off their back. What's the problem? Let me see it. Anyway, you don't feel my weight. If you have a little fly on your head, does it bother you? You don't even feel it. You go crazy. Ma, let me see it. I'm tired. I flew all day. I fly too much. I need to rest. You go crazy. Six are cursed by, by heaven. Seven, I'm sorry. Seven. Not cursed. Cursed is not the right word. They are in isolation. It's like a menudeh. You know, nidui. No, what's the right word for nidui in English? Excommunication. Excommunication, very good. One, a person that doesn't have a wife. So before you get divorced, think, think again, because you're going to fall into that category. Or if they give you a wife and she doesn't have $10 million, she only have nine, don't turn it down. It's better to have nine than to, have, to be in excommunication. Someone who has a wife but doesn't have children, more than 10 years and he doesn't get divorced from her. Why? Because a man has an obligation to have at least one boy and one girl. If he married to a woman 10 years, now remember, today we can prove if the problem is by him or her. If it can be proven that the problem is by him, what's the point of divorcing her? It's a good wife. She wants to stay with him. She deserves a a Nobel Prize, you know, for staying with a man that doesn't give her children. But if the problem is by her, with all the love and the sympathy to her, he has an obligation to have kids. First mitzvah from the Torah. He cannot say, no, I give up kids. No, I don't, Rabbi, I love my wife, I don't need kids. Why? It's not in your hand. You must do everything you can to have at least a boy and a girl. So this is it. Somebody who has kids, and doesn't raise them in the way of the Torah and doesn't teach them Torah every day, what we call today yeshiva, which means he sends them to public school, is in excommunication in Shamaim. Hashem put a sign on his head, on his forehead. This one is in Cherem, in Nidui. Someone who doesn't put filin every day in his arm and in his head, 
and tzitzit in his cor if he has clothing with four corners and he doesn't put tzitzit, someone who doesn't have mezuzah in his house, and someone who walk, walk barefoot on the street and embarrass the Jewish religion. People see him walking with, uh, without shoes. And, some, and another opinion, an eighth one, someone who sees people sit in Saudat Mitzvah, everyone is happy, there's Mitzvah now. He's not interested, he goes to the side to do his business. He's not participating in a Mitzvah. Okay, so Bezrat Hashem, we finished for today.